Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing today? You good? It was a bit of a hard week, and uh, I hope you're feeling today that, that God is here, that he's with us, that he's good. Uh, very excited for the message that we have this morning about God's grace. So we've got some powerful truth for you this morning. Uh, but before we get into that, it, it was a bit of a hard week, so I thought we could start just with some laughs. So I hope that's okay. Um, I was thinking this Labor Day, how much time we spend in our cars, maybe going back and forth to work, and sometimes you see something uh, on the road that puts a smile on your face or makes you laugh. So uh, I, I, was, I, uh, I came across a license plate this week, and I just thought, you know, I wonder if there are any funny license plates out there online. And uh, I just I brought some of the, uh, the funniest license plates people have seen, photographed, and shared online. So uh, here's, here's the first one. Uh, I don't know, can you guys see that? Uh, infinity and beyond. I love that. To infinity and beyond. And uh, I, I, I still like that, even though it's on a New Jersey license plate. I know we got some New Jersey drivers here. Um, one thing I've learned since moving to Pennsylvania about New Jersey drivers is uh, going, or, I'm sorry, crossing multiple lanes of traffic is considered going with the flow. Uh, I think, Tom, you call it the Jersey Shuffle or something like that, but um, yeah, I, I, I still like the license plate, um, however they're driving. So uh, here's the next one. This is a hearse, can you imagine pulling up behind a hearse? You are next. <laughs> I don't even know what to think about that. I'm like, I, I, you just gotta think, okay, you know, here's a little joke from your friendly neighborhood undertaker, you know, you're like, oh, you are next. I'm like. I'm just going to stay away from that hearse. <laughs> just, just stay away. Um, next one. Here's two cars parked next to each other. You, I don't know if you guys see it. One on the left. Is that your left? Or just yes. Okay, good. Uh, one on the left says, love God. And the one on the right says, blasphemer. So here's a couple of cars that are taking the debate to the streets. Love God? Oh, yeah? Blasphemer. But I do have to say, um, you know, what are the chances of those two cars being in the exact same parking lot at the exact same time? I mean, it sounds like only God could do that. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, um, yeah, these are some funny license plates. I was driving home from work this week, and uh, I, I came across a great license plate that reminded me of you guys. If you'll put that up, next one. I, I literally came across a license plate that said, I'm free. And I, that's it. That's exactly it. That's my heart for us here at Hope Community Church. And saw the plate, the person sped off into the distance, and you know, I'm free with three E's at the end. And I was just thinking, you know, that's my prayer for each of you in this series is that God would set your heart free, that you would experience the ultimate joy and freedom that comes from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are in a series here at Hope. This is the last week of our 4Gs series. If you're just joining us, we're really glad you're here. Um, these 4Gs are four truths about God that can transform our life and set us free. Free, with three E's at the end, seriously. So what are those four G's? What are the four truths that if, if we'll allow those into our heart, we'll 
begin to believe the truth about who God is? What are the truths that, are, that can set us free? Here they are up on the screen. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. I don't have to worry about what people think about me. God is great. I don't have to be in control. I don't have to have it all together. God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere for greater satisfaction. And God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. Do you guys feel the freedom in that? These are truths that can set us free. There's a freedom that comes from knowing who God is. And that's what we want to talk about. So today we're wrapping up the series. We're looking at the last one. Um, God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. And have any of you noticed that we live in a world that's all about performance and achievement? I see some students in the room today. And there's, there's a sense here at the start of this semester, oh, it's, this is going to be about performance and achievement, whether it is, um, you know, your performance at work. Maybe it's proving yourself as a mom. Maybe it's how much money you earn. Whatever it is, we live in a world that seems to put a high emphasis on performance and achievement. And if we're not careful, we will begin to define our value and our worth by what we do. And I will tell you as pastors, we are not immune. Pastor, I meet other pastors, and what's the question everybody wants to ask? Oh, how big is your church? We got to be careful that we're not defining our value by what we do. Because if we live a life of performance and achievement, I've got to earn God's love. I have to prove my worth. I, I have to be like this to be enough. If we live a life like that, that is an incredible weight to live under. And I just want to tell you today that Jesus wants to set your heart free from the burden of finding your worth and your value in your performance and your achievement. He wants to release you from that burden of performance. And it comes from understanding this truth that's up on the screen. It comes from understanding the grace of God. God is gracious. I don't have to prove myself. So I want to show you that from Scripture. So if you have your Bible, would you open it up to Luke chapter 18? I love seeing people come in with their Bibles. I'm so proud of you. If, you're, if you have a Bible today, will you hold it up? Come on. Let me see those Bibles. Any Bible apps? You can hold those up, right? I mean, a Bible app is, right? It, it, Moses had a scroll, so you got your scroll, okay? It's, that's legit. Um, so we're looking at the par- a parable Jesus told about a Pharisee and a tax collector, Luke 18, 9 through 14. What's a parable? A parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly truth. So Jesus tells a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And in this parable, Jesus is going to show us the danger of proving ourselves. What we're going to call the performance trap. And then he's going to show us this amazing truth that sets us free. And it's all about the grace of God. Ultimately, understanding the grace of God is what sets us free. So let's read the parable together. We'll dive in and be able to explain it and then look at how this relates to performance and achievement. Let's read the parable together. Luke 18, verse 9. To some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, 
Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Polishing his gold star. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, listen to this, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What an amazing story. Some powerful lessons to teach us today. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for this morning and uh, for those who are here, for those who are going to be watching online. Um, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and move in our hearts and that you would set us free from, um, from performance and achievement, from finding our identity in what we do. And I pray that today we would see the greatness, the gloriousness, the goodness of God, and that we put our hope and trust in you, a lot like this tax collector who came humbly and said, God, I need you. I need you to work in my life. And that's our heart and our cry this morning as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're looking at this parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. You can keep your Bible open. We'll be walking through that together. But the first thing that I want to I um, notice together is that um, Jesus shows us that we need to beware of the performance trap. Beware of the performance trap. So what is the performance trap? What are we talking about here? Throughout this series, we have talked about how behind every sin and negative emotion in our life is a lie. And it's just the same with the performance trap. The performance trap is a mindset that's based on a lie that says, my value equals how I perform. That is the performance trap. And I find myself in that trap sometimes. Do you ever experience that? This is a mindset. What is the performance trap? It's a mindset based on a lie that my value equals how I perform. And one of the most common lies that we believe about our worth and value is that our worth and our value is found in what we do. I need to do something to feel good about myself. I need to get good grades to feel about good about myself. I need to be the best mom to feel good about myself. I need to preach a great sermon today so I can go home and feel good about myself. And I'm trying to tell you today that if we buy into this lie, it's a trap. It is a performance trap. Take a look at our chart up on the screen. Over the past few weeks, we've been walking through this chart. And uh, we're basing this on a, on a scripture from Romans 8.6. Romans 8.6 says, The mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. A mindset on a lie is death. A mind set on the truth of who God is is life and peace. 
And so we are here today. We want to experience freedom. We want to experience life and peace. And it, to experience that, it involves a change of mindset. To change our mindset from us, from our flesh, to fixing our mind on the truth of who God is. I want, I want my, a renewing of my mind so I can experience life and peace in Christ. And if you go down all the way to the bottom row, you'll see, um, you'll see the mindset. I'm calling these mindsets. Um, a mindset on the flesh. Last one. My value equals how I perform. And what do we see about this mindset? That's the very next column. A mindset on the flesh is death. It is burdened. My value equals how I perform. It's burdened. It is comparative. It is hard on self. It is slow to forgive and more. And we see this same performance trap in Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We follow along with me in Luke 18, 9. Let's see if you guys can spot the performance trap here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, they're proving themselves to God. They look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee by himself and prayed, God, I thank you I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. This summer we did a series on the parable of the prodigal son. And for those of you who are here in a part of the series, I mentioned that Jesus often spoke to an audience that included two groups of people. There were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the most religious people. They were trying to prove themselves to God. And there were others who were like the tax collectors. They were lost. They were far from God. And they felt like they could never measure up. They could never be right with God. And so in this story that Jesus tells, um, amazing story, Jesus tells a story about both of these characters. A Pharisee and a tax collector are coming to the temple to pray. If we start with the Pharisee, I mean, this guy is amazing. You look at his religious accomplishments. They are incredible. If there ever was a, a man who could prove himself to God, this was the one. Just take a look at it. He, he, we see what he doesn't do. So, so what doesn't he do? He's not like those bad people. He's not an evildoer or a robber or an adulterer. He's faithful to his wife. He, he would never cheat or steal. The, the police don't show up at his door, you know. He is a good man. He's a good person. But it goes well beyond that. It goes, it goes well into the life of religion that he's chosen for himself. And when it comes to religion, I, I want you to see what he does. He is at the temple to pray. Whenever the church is open, he is there. And he's, he's there to pray. Right? He's into this. He fasts twice a week. He tenth, a tenth of everything he gets. He's giving that away. If we're honest, this guy is outperforming religiously most of us in the room today. Me included. I mean, I'm not fasting twice a week. 
This is evident. <laughs> so we think about this guy who really is proving himself with religion. But here's the kicker. Verse 14 tells us that as amazing as this Pharisee is, did you guys see that? God does not accept him. Isn't that interesting? If we're seeking to find our worth and our value in what we do, it will never be enough. It is a trap. It is a performance trap. Guys, here's the danger. We can be a lot like that Pharisee. And, and those of us in this room who are performers, we can look amazing on the outside. We got it all together. We're succeeding, whatever it is. But inside, there is a deep, deep struggle. And we see this with the Pharisee. And maybe we can relate to this. He is comparative. He's comparative. Oh, I'm not like that tax tax collector. Thank God. Comparative. He has to check off all the boxes. Anybody have a trying to check off all the boxes? I do. I'm at church. I prayed. I gave. I fasted. He's checking off the boxes. And do you guys notice how hard he is on himself? He's beating himself up with fasting twice a week. Performers, we can be so hard on ourselves. But this is what strikes me the most. And, and this is true of performers. He can't even admit his own weakness and failure. You guys see that? He can't even be genuine about his own struggles with sin. And, and not even before God. You guys notice he comes and he prays. What is prayer? Talking to God, right? So he's praying. You guys notice he's not even talking about God. He's just talking about himself. Did you guys catch that? This is quite a prayer. God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. In a short prayer, he says, I, five times. What a prayer. I, 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 I. Who are you talking to? He's building himself up. He's building himself up before the Lord. Our inability to be real and genuine about our failure and our sin and our weakness is something the Bible calls pride. And pride is a big deal. What was the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven? What was it? It's pride, right? right? This is the biggie. James tells us that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace the humble. Why is it a performance trap when we try to prove ourselves to God? Because, because we're human. 
Because we all sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And God sees our hearts. He sees the hidden sins of the heart. Pride. Selfishness. All of those sins. He sees all of our weakness. All of our failures. See, we could never do enough or be enough to prove ourselves to God. And, and that's why I'm just so glad today that, that a relationship with God isn't based on our performance, but it's just based on the goodness of God's grace. Amen? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, to those who, are, who recognize their own need, to those who can be vulnerable before the Lord and to set aside for a moment this need to prove our worth before God. Not only is performance a trap before God, but performance is a trap in our own heart. Because how will we ever feel like we've proven ourselves enough? When is enough ever going to be enough? Listen to what Jim Carrey had to say when he took the stage at the 2016 Golden Globes. He came up, he said, I'm two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm just not a guy going to sleep. I'm the two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey, going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winner, winning actor, Jim Carrey, because then I would be enough. And it would finally be true. And I could stop this terrible search for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. If one Golden Globe isn't enough, or two or three, when will enough ever be enough? How many A's do you have to get for it to be enough? How high do you have to go on your team? How many other teams? How many times do you have to win before enough is enough? How, how, many, how good do our kids have to be for us to be enough as parents? How long do you have to keep working before it's enough to go ahead and retire. When will enough ever be enough? It will never be enough. Because if our value and worth is in what we do, it'll never end. Beware of the performance trap. Beware of the lie that says my value equals what I perform. We'll never find freedom in that lie. We need a truth to set us free. And there's no better truth than this, what I want to share with you today. God is gracious. He's gracious. We don't have to prove ourselves. And one of the best examples of that truth is the tax collector. Now, uh, nobody likes tax collectors. I mean, not in Jesus' day, not in our day. But in Jesus' day especially, the Jews... Um, especially hated the tax collectors because in Jesus' day, um, there would be Jewish tax collectors and, and they were considered traitors because they worked 
for the Romans. And they were collecting taxes for the Romans who were this oppressive government. But not only were they traitors, they were thieves. Because they would come and they would overtax you and they would put the extra money in their pocket. Uh, what these guys were doing was nothing short of criminal. So it's just a little bit surprising to see the tax collector showing up at church to pray. But what does he do? Look what happens as he begins to pray. Verse 13. The tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. How surprising is that? You never expect to see a man who lived that kind of life at church, crying out before God, have mercy on me, what I have done. I am sorry. I have failed. And it tells us that he came to the temple that day with no righteousness, no standing before God, nothing to prove, and that that day he went home justified. He went home loved and accepted by God. What does it mean to be justified? To be justified means there is a new truth about who you are. And I want to put it up on the screen for you. To be justified means there is a new truth about your life. You are complete in Christ and fully pleasing to God. Do you know that if you, you, your identity is in Christ, that's true of you today? You're complete in Christ. You're fully pleasing to God. To be justified means that your sins have been forgiven. You are pleasing to God. You are enough because of the grace of God in your life. You're complete in Him. By the blood of Jesus, all of your sin has been forgiven. And what the Bible says is that God does that freely and graciously for those who turn to him and trust him. Look at this scripture. Romans 3.24 says we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we could just ask a couple of questions. How are we justified? What does it say? Family. How are we justified? Freely, right? Graciously. How are we made fully pleasing to God, complete in Christ? It is free. It is a gift of grace. And where does that come from? It comes from the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. This is a really important scripture. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And uh, one of the coolest details in the story is actually one you, you can't even find in your English translation, your English Bibles. Um, when the tax collector comes and he cries out for mercy. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and that word mercy, has, there's a couple of different words for mercy in the Greek. And, and one of them is just haleos, which means mercy in general. Help me, take pity on me. Later on in Luke 18, a blind man will come to Jesus. He'll say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Saleos, mercy in general. But our tax collector isn't asking for 
Haleos. He's asking for halaskamai, which is mercy that comes through sacrifice. And many scholars believe that this tax collector has come to the temple to pray at the time of the sacrifice. And he's saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy through sacrifice. Would this sacrifice count for me? And as followers of Jesus, we come to God asking for mercy through sacrifice. God, I am a sinner and I need the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to count for me. He lived the life that I could never live. He died the death I could never, I could never pay. He paid the price for our sin so that everybody who comes to Jesus and who puts their trust in him would be justified, would be complete in Christ and fully pleasing to God. It is not by works, but it is by faith that we have been saved through the grace of God. Amen? That is the grace of God on our life. We have nothing to prove because God proved himself for us. He proved his love by paying the ultimate sacrifice. His grace is enough for you and for me today. God is gracious. We don't have anything to prove. Not to God, not to anyone. I am not trying to find my value today in what I do. Because my identity is in Christ. I am a pastor, but my identity, I am not finding that in being a pastor today. I hope you know that. My identity is not wrapped up in what I'm doing this morning. My identity is in Jesus Christ. I'm not finding my worth and value today in being a dad. I love being a dad, but that's not where I get my worth this morning. See, the Apostle Paul, after listing all of his accomplishments in the book of Philippians, just says, I count it all as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so if you have Jesus in your, in your life, there is nothing more valuable in your life. There's nothing more significant in your life than the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. See, our identity and our value is not in what we do today, our identity is in Christ and our worth and our value flows from him. There's an ESPN documentary called uh, The Four Falls of Buffalo and it recounts the story of the Buffalo Bills and they, they had four consecutive Super Bowl losses in uh, 1990 through 1993. Um, being a Broncos fan, I, I know about Super Bowl losses. So uh, I can sympathize. But a lot, of the, a lot of the burden of those four losses fell on their field goal kicker, a guy named Scott Norwood. And um, there's actually a whole ESPN documentary um, on, on this thing. It's just fascinating. But during the 1990 Super Bowl, um, the Bills had a chance to win the Super Bowl. They were just down by one point, And uh, they, there was four seconds left in the game. And uh, all they needed to do was kick a field goal. And they were going to win the Super Bowl. So uh, out comes Scott Norwood, field goal kicker. 
Four seconds left, 47-yard field goal, you know, no problem. And, and the world watched as Scott Norwood kicks the field and misses. And he was devastated. You know, and biggest, for him, the biggest failure of his entire life. Well, nothing prepared Scott Norwood for the greeting he would receive back in Buffalo a week later. 30,000 screaming fans showed up to welcome Scott Norwood and the Buffalo's team back home after their Super Bowl loss. And uh, fans began to scream and chant, we love Scott, we love Scott, we want Scott, we want Scott. And the chant grew louder and louder, we want Scott, we want Scott. Finally, the Bills team found Scott, who was hiding in the back, and they pushed him to the front. And there was a rousing ovation from the crowd. And, and Scott Norwood comes up to the mic with tears in his eyes. And he said, I never felt more loved in my life than today. See, Scott Norwood missed a field goal, but he came home to grace. And that's our story. We, we've all miss the mark in different ways, but yet we come home to grace. And you have never been more loved by God than you are right now. I want you to know today that God loves you as much on your good days as he does on your bad days. Did you know that? It's amazing truth. It's a truth the Bible calls grace. And it's absolutely amazing. We've got nothing to prove, guys. God is gracious. I don't have to prove myself. You don't have to prove yourself. You are complete in Christ and fully pleasing to him. If you've put your trust in Jesus today, the Bible says you are forgiven freely, fully, and forever. Just take that in. He loves you, and he's with you. So let's review one more time the four G's. Four truths about God that can set us free. God is glorious. I don't have to fear others. I'm not worried about what people think because God is ultimate in my thoughts. He weighs the most. God is great. I don't have to be in control. God is good. I don't have to look elsewhere for greater satisfaction. And God's gracious. I don't have to prove myself. I just feel the freedom of those truths. I want to encourage you today to write these down. Um, these four G's, they come from a book called Tim Chester, You Can Change. So uh, pick up that book. You can look these up online, four G's. Whatever it is, get these in front of you. Put them on your mirror. Put them on the dashboard of your car so that you can walk in that amazing freedom that God has for you so that your life can be transformed by Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about here at Hope, a caring place where God trans lives, where people are strengthened, Genuineness occurs. By the way, we encourage genuineness. This is an okay place to be okay about not being okay. And Christianity is a matter of the heart. This is who we are. And, um, and these truths, we believe, are going to help change your life. So get those in front of you and uh, just begin to, to shift that mindset um, onto the truth of who God is. So 
Let's pray as we uh, wrap up this morning and invite worship team forward. God, thank you for loving us so much. Now, whether we succeed, whether we fail, it's, it's not about our performance. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for saving us by your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we can bring our sin to you this morning, just like the tax collector, and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so even this morning, we're not, we're not trying to prove ourselves. We, we, we come confessing our sin. We confess our pride, Lord, our selfishness. We, we confess our need to be in control or we're trying to please other people more than we're trying to please you. God, you see all of those things and you still loved us enough to send your son. And so that, for that, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the love for us that was demonstrated in the cross of Jesus Christ. And thank you that we get to be your children and we get to just trust you and live lives of faith and obedience and joy and satisfaction, God. So set our hearts free this morning as we worship you. We ask that in Jesus' name.